This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing today? I don't know about you, but I love sport, and there's nothing I love more than the Olympic Games. Is that you love it all? How many of you fed up of seeing it all already and just wish that life would move on? Okay, no, it's just me. I love it. I love the suspense, and uh, there's nothing like the suspense of a hundred meters race, is there? You know, and they're all there on your marks. Set. Bang! And off they go, isn't it? But, you know, the the suspense of it all. Four years of training and preparation. And they're there in the chocks ready to go. On your marks. It's set. And then somebody does a false start. Did you see that in some of the heats? You know, and you're thinking, oh, what? A false start. And it it just ups the, you know, I'm not even in the race. I'm on the edge of the sofa like this. I'm like here with my tea as I'm watching the suspense of it all. Four years of training for less than 10 seconds if you're Hussein Bolt. And what an incredible, incredible achievement. And a triple, treble gold. Um, What he's done is absolutely unbelievable. By the way, just a, a pause. Anyone knows how you start a teddy bear race? Ready, teddy, go. Or how do you start a glowworm race? Anybody know that? Ready, steady, glow. Yeah. But it's been great to watch, isn't it? All the training, all the discipline, all the pressure, and all the nerves, everything that goes in. But tell me, who wins the medal? Who wins the medal? Silly question. Whoever comes first. Why do they win the medal? Not because they come first. Why do they win the medal? That's the consequence. They were the most prepared. If you and I wanted to win a 100-meter race, if I had a training course like, look, we've got to make sure our diet is right, that we eat enough, so let's go to McDonald's every day and have lunch, and we'll have a, a Big Mac, you know, get our... Feed us up. Do you think I'm going to win an Olympic Games doing that? No, never. We have to have the right training and we have to have the right preparation. It was sad yesterday in the women's triathlon. I I watched it all yesterday. It took two hours of my life. I would like to say wasted two hours of my life, but I really enjoyed it. What a race. Um, But interesting, one of the things that uh, Jenkins, uh, with the three British triathletes that were in there, and as you know, some of them are are from Wales, um, but Jenkins in particular, she said, it wasn't for me today. She said, I've been running well all season, but I wasn't right today. Have you had that, Dan, when you're playing for Ponta del Ice that, you know, it's not working for you, the ball goes the wrong direction, you're trying. Sometimes in sport, I was playing squash on Monday night, and I tell you what, I was in the zone on Monday night. Every shot that I was doing was just in the corner, all the nicks. It was unbelievable. All my preparation, and I don't know what it was, I was just in the mood, I was in the zone, it paid off. But sometimes it's just not your day. Is it? So, this message that I bring to you um, this morning is called Unshakable Confidence. 
And it's a message about preparation. And what I want to share with you this morning, morning is like a dessert. And the reason I'm calling it a dessert is we've already had starter and main course taught to us in the last two weeks. Emily, if, if you haven't heard these messages, then I encourage you, get it on podcast, tune in and listen to them again. But Emily taught us about our understanding about how we connect with God and how God is always for us. It's us that tend to drift. So Emily was encouraging us to go back to basics and clarify our understanding about God. Last week, Andrea taught us about action. She taught us that we must activate our faith. Not just seeing, not just our understanding, but the doing. Andrea was quite direct and get the message again, live a whole life that Andrea spoke about, was incredible message on doing. So Emily taught us about seeing, Andrea taught us about doing. I want to look at the subject of mindset this morning, the subject of being. In him we live and move and have our being, the word of God teaches. Who am I? In God. How many of you read this fantastic little book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren? Who's, uh, how many of you have read it? Who hasn't read it this morning? How many of you would like to read it this morning? Put your hands up if you would like to read it. There we are, Anne, it's yours. Have a read of that great little uh, book this morning. There's always giveaways here at church. But Rick Warren in his book, The The Purpose Driven Life, in chapter 5, he talks about this principle of seeing life from God's point of view. And he talks about the challenge of being transformed in the Christian life, being transformed, as Paul tells tells the church in Romans, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What he's teaching us to do is learn to see ourselves from God's point of view. Because the world's thinking is to either see ourselves from our own point of view, and then others of us are quite affected, and you see lots of Facebook posts and Twitter and social media and everybody that are so concerned with what other people think of them, so they live their lives in alignment with everybody else's point of view. Look, I think I look good this morning. I love this t-shirt, I love these jeans, and I love these trainers. If you don't like it, tough. Because I am not bothered about what you think. And we so often live a life that when it comes to the way we behave, when it comes to the things that we do, we are so concerned with how we think ourselves, with sometimes dysfunctional thinking that's in us, and that's what the messages we've had from Emily and Andrea were were talking about. And then secondly, we can be so governed by everybody else. Christian living And living a life that honours God is about living life that honours Him and aligning our life with His plan for us. For me to discover, as Rick is trying to teach us in chapter 5 of that book, seeing life from God's view, whose story will you believe about you? Are you going to believe your own? Are you going to believe other people's? Or are you going to believe God's story about you? Dan, I believe God's story about you. Pat, I believe God's story about you. Do you believe God's story about you? That he has a plan for you and your life in an incredible way. 
Last night, I watched a fantastic little film, never got round to seeing it in the cinema. How many of you have seen uh, this movie, Eddie the Eagle? Have any of you been to the cinema? Some of you will remember the Calgary 1988, 1988 Winter Olympic Games. You remember that, do you, Ian? I think you were, you were about 58 back then, weren't you? When we, uh, when we watched those Olympic Games. But one of the things that came across to me so powerfully in watching this film, get it, see it for yourself, is that he wanted to be an Olympian. How many Olympians have we got in the house this morning? Have you got any, are you an Olympian? Are you? Lovely. Fab. Uh, how many Olympians have we got? You know, to get to the Olympics, let alone winning a medal, is an achievement in itself, isn't it? And this guy made it to the Olympics. How? Watch the movie, Eddie the Eagle, or get his story. Incredible how he never listened to what anybody else said about him. I don't know if it was determination or pure stubbornness or madness, but it was unbelievable. Get the film. There's a message there. So the title of my message quickly is Unchangeable Confidence. Turn me to God's Word, to the book of Matthew and chapter 8. This is an incredible story that is going to underline the framework of our message today when we look at how do we need to respond and behave so that we have a life that has unshakable confidence. Jesus, uh, sorry, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, and this is a story of Jesus calming the storm, and we'll read from verse 23 of Matthew 8 together. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. What did they say? I think if you were saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown, you wouldn't say it like that if you're waking Jesus up. So what were they saying? Okay, if you guys are drowning, good luck with somebody else coming to save you. Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Do you feel like that sometimes? Do you feel sometimes with life like that? Do you feel sometimes that the circumstances and the situations come up and over you and you think that Jesus is sleeping and you shout out to him, Lord, save me, I'm going to drown. Yes, I've done that several times. Verse 26, he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up. And rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? One incredible passage of scripture. Let's pray. Father God, we confess our need of you. Lord, we need you in our lives. We need you in fair weather, but Lord, you are our anchor in the storm. And so, Lord, I pray today that as we come to you and as we look at this text together and look at how we can have unshakable confidence today, 
Lord, will you teach us? Lord, will you help us to understand your word? And above all, Lord, let us not just be hearers of the word, but teach us to be doers also, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I think this is such a fascinating passage of scripture. I mean, you know me, I've got a vivid imagination. I really, really have. You know, I can imagine them being in the boat together. I can imagine them rowing across the lake or whatever. I presume it had oars. I don't think it had masts or whatever it is. Probably a fishing boat, lots of presumption. There. But they're rowing across and they're going, row, row, row your boat. And off they go. And then suddenly, the storm doesn't come from nowhere. It tells us that it came suddenly. So it might have been quite quick. And on the Sea of Galilee, we know that, they can, they, that the waves can, and the weather can change suddenly. And a furious storm came up on the lake. And we know that the waves were now sweeping over the boat. So now, when they're rowing, it ain't so merrily anymore. And they are there, and there's probably a conversation going on with the disciples in the middle of all this. And the, you know, it's getting bad. Ooh, getting worse. Oh no, it's getting badder. And so as they're rowing there, the situation is getting worse and worse and worse all the time until eventually they are panic-stricken. Eventually, they get so caught up in it that they think they're going to die. That in the end, Jesus is like having a kip in the background. Does that really annoy you? People that can sleep through anything. Does that annoy you? Me, I, I wake for anything. You know, tickle my ear, I'll wake. You know. But some people, like Sean, when he's at Rock Nations and has one of his eyebrows shaved off, will sleep through anything. And Jesus is there sleeping through anything. And I find the whole story fascinating. The reason I find it fascinating is if you read the first part of Matthew chapter 8, it tells us quite clearly the works that Jesus was doing. I find it shocking. Because they're there in the boat with a guy that is the son of God. You know, they're not there with Dan in the boat. They're there with the son of God. It starts in Matthew chapter 8 where Jesus heals a man that had leprosy. It secondly goes on and shares the story of the centurion and his servant. And there's this big conversation about faith with him. And all the disciples are there listening to it. Clearly they did, because Matthew wrote it down. And then they go, and Peter's mother-in-law is ill. Interesting, isn't it? We never hear much about the disciples' wives in the Bible. But went and prayed for the mother-in-law. Great to pray for your mother-in-law, isn't it? Amen. Pray for the mother-in-law, and she is miraculously healed. And then Jesus talks about the cost of following Jesus. So it's on this backdrop that they find themselves in the boat. And I still find it fascinating that they respond in the way that they do. So, I need some volunteers this morning. I've already prepped uh, Mark and Liana to come and help me this morning. But I want you to help Mark and Liana. The reason I've picked them this morning is, as you know, they are getting uh, married shortly. Isn't that great? Yeah. So I thought we'd see how the teamwork would work out this morning. Would that be good? A challenge for them? So they're going to have a marriage challenge this morning. Uh, and we're going to see whether, you know, between the sellotape and the scissors that we have this morning and the exercise we're going to do this morning, we're going to see how they're going to work together as a team and then you can rate them at the end. How is that? Fantastic. Give Mark and Liana a round of applause. They come out to help me this morning. Come on. 
Lovely. Stand here. Fantastic. Right. So what I want you to help me with this morning, I want you to put yourself in the shoes, well, the sandals of the disciples in the boat. Describe to me in the middle of the storm how they're feeling. What thoughts do you think are going through their mind? Give me words to describe it. Sorry? Scared. Lovely. Can you tape that one? Up to the top there and follow all the way down. Give me another word, someone. Wet. Wet. (laughs) They're feeling wet. We'll come to that one in a moment, Dan. But good. I like your input. Next one. Over. Big words now. Overwhelmed. It's got a H in it, doesn't it, everyone? I'm just thinking, have I I passed? Overwhelmed. Anything else? Anxious. A-N. I I am it now. I'm living the word. Next. Anxious. Powerless. Powerless. Good word, Brian. And you've got a stage voice there as well for it. (laughs) The word powerful is said like that, Brian. The word powerless is said powerless. Okay, powerless. What else? Uh, nervous. nervous. Tense, nervous, headache. Yeah, nervous. What? Come on, more words. Come on. <laughs> Discombobulated. Ah, oh, I like it. They fear the word I was looking for. I was looking for that above everything else. The word fear. What else? Some of you are going through this right now in your storm, in your boat. Stress. Yeah, very good. Keep going, guys. Stress. And all of these things are very real, aren't they? Do you know the type of people that come to you and say, oh, don't stress. <laughs> Do you just want to punch them? Okay, it's just me then. Just me. Don't stress. Just trust God, you know. In our family at this moment in time, we, we are going through some financial stress in our family. I'm going to be honest with you. We've got some stuff. Our, our two eldest children are going off to college. The bills are rolling in. There's so many things at this moment in time. There's a pinch point. I really need God. I need my all our house to sell. Will you send me a buyer in Jesus' name? Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm saying that in faith. But this is how... I am feeling sometimes when I think about the situations that I go through. And please don't tell me not to worry, because I do. It's natural. Okay. So, tell me how you think we should, we should be thinking. How should they be thinking? Confident. Absolutely. They should be confident. Great word. And I thought it would, because we're going to stick that in the middle. Can you do that for me? Because I want to go back to the Olympic Games for a minute. Some of the ones that don't win a medal, instead of being confident on a scale, they get to be what? Arrogant? 
people that are over, the, that they don't kind of think about everything. That I'm, you know, it's, I think Usain, Usain Bolt was, a lot of this was talked about him in the early uh, stages of his career. Who does he think he is? I'll tell you who he thinks he is. Fastest man in the world, that's what. You know, and I think he's proven it, like treble, treble. You know, unbelievable. And you can think sometimes that he's arrogant. But if you follow him on Twitter, see him. He's actually a very, very humble guy and realise that he's been given a gift to be able to run. And you'll see him before he starts every game. What's he doing? He realises that God has given him the gift of being able to run. So the people that fail, the people that fail are the people that have too much pride. And there's lots of this that's talked about in the Bible. People that are, have got... Uh, the word that I wanted to share with you this morning was the word hubris. A really, really good word. I swallowed a thesaurus for breakfast on Wednesday. And in this modern usage, hubris denotes an overconfident pride and an arrogance. I'm going to use that word as well. Pop that one up on there if you would for me. And an arrogance, which is seated quite often in vanity... And seated in presumption about situations and circumstances. I'm just going to rock up, I'm going to get in the blocks, and I'm going to win a medal. I've done it before, I'm going to do it again. But little do you realise there's somebody that's on the track that's more prepared than you. And in your ambition to win gold, you end up with silver, bronze, or maybe don't even get on the podium. I thought it was amazing. Did some of you see the taekwondo? And where the guy from Ivory Coast wins in the last half second of the game. They're in gold, and so the British guy is in gold position. And in the last half second, he comes across head kick. Do you see that? Look at that. Head kick. I've got a hernia now. Uh, head kick. And he takes the gold medal. Clearly, was it luck? Luck, yeah. That's what losers say, is luck. I tell you what, that is sticking to it and not having our foundations in pride or arrogance or an overconfidence, but having our feet set securely on the real truth. So I want to take you on a journey today. How are they doing, our husband and wife couple? Have they done well working as a team? Yes, I think they've done really, really well this morning, haven't they? No big words, no, nothing spoken. I can sense the frustration, but maybe there would be confidence in the car on the way home that you didn't put them straight. Can you give our uh, assistants a round of applause? Thank you very much. Diochliana, thank you, Mark. You see, if you live here, that's a place that is living with too much Stress, isn't it? Who wants to live here in a life that's full of being scared, overwhelmed, being anxious and being powerless? How many of you want to live there? How many of you want to live there? None of you. None of us want to live here. Because what happens here is we have a mindset. I'm going to take you on a journey. We have a mindset that is too careful. This is living a careful life. Because, do you know, how, how many of you know that in this world, trouble you will have? 
Okay? You know, you can even stay in bed if you want and not get up in the morning. And then you've just got to hope that the roof doesn't fall in on you or a tornado come past, can you? Because you can't live life too careful. And some of you, and some of us, we get so stressed over things we shouldn't do because we live a life that has just got too much carefulness in it. Life's full of risk. And risk is something that's supposed to work in our favor to teach us stuff. Are you living a life that's too careful because we are overthinking things? But equally, are you living a life that's careless? That you think, ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter this, that, and the other. You know, God will provide. Do you know people like that? Yeah, you know, they, you know, I know some people that are praying for a job, but they don't even go down the job center or go online. They think God is miraculously going to send some employer to knock on their door and say, I'm just going to use a name for now, call him Jack. Jack, we've been looking for you. You are the perfect employee. We know you haven't sent us a CV, but God revealed it to us that you're the employee for us. I tell you what, you're nuts crazy. God doesn't work like that. God is a God that wants us to live a life here that's in the middle because the confident life is not careful. It is not careless. It's a life, wait for it, that's carefree. 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 And if we have a confident, unshakable faith and a trust in Jesus Christ, I tell you, you will become unshakable because you will live a carefree life under the power of Jesus Christ. You see, James teaches us, and this is a passage of scripture um, that we're going to turn to in a moment, but James teaches us some principles about this thing called challenge when it comes our way. He talks about temptation. Just like Jesus was sent to the uh, wilderness to be tempted of the devil, so in the same way, there are challenges and temptations and tests that come our way in life. And the four points that I want to share with, uh, three points that I want to share with you this morning is the preparation that we need in order to, first of all, get the information into us. You see, if we are not prepared... If we have not got good data about a situation or a circumstance, we are going to find ourselves being anxious quite quickly. Let me give you an example of that. Um, We talked before, um, when we uh, were sharing before, about Gordon Training's four stages of learning a new skill. Do you remember? We talked about unconscious incompetence. That leads to conscious incompetence. (laughs) That leads to conscious competence. And then finally, unconscious competence. Remember, we talked about the driving test. And if those of you here that are nearing 17 years of age or, uh, and are just coming up to it and you want to pass your bi- driving test, in the UK here, the first thing you have to do is a theory driving test, isn't it? You have to get the data into you in theory first. You have to understand All about what the traffic signals mean. You have to do all those things of spotting, like um, situations that will be dangerous on the road, so that you are prepared. And then the second thing that happens is, sooner or later, you've got to get behind the wheel of the car. Now tell me, when you got behind the wheel of the car for the first time, some of you, okay, you went into two attitudes. Some of you went here. 
Those of you that have been carting before, haven't you? Yes, I can handle it. Those of you that have might have driven a lawnmower or a motorbike before, you went straight into carelessness. I can do this. It's just like riding a bike. And so you went with your arrogance and your pride and your presumption and vanity and you went into it and probably stalled the car, bumped into someone, hit, went through a red light because of you not being prepared correctly for the challenge ahead. But others of you might have got caught up in all of this. And you're trying to drive the car and you get in and clutch the brake mirror and you're overthinking it all and, and you get anxious and you get worried and in the end you get overwhelmed by it all so that some of you, and I know some people in the room and I'm not going to name names here, some of you this got so much for you, you quit driving and you said, I ain't going to sit my test again, forget it, and you haven't driven ever since. But what does God want most of us to live in any of those extremes? God wants us to live here. We have to be trained. And that's why I go back to starters, main course and dessert that we've had. If you don't know how to live in any of these extremes, first of all, listen to Emily's message and get connected to God and get the information of what God has to say about you into you. You need to, I'm giving you so much basics here at church, it's like being upstairs with the kids, the children in church again. You've got to get into God's word and got to get God's word into you. You have got to pray. You have got to get connected into a plus group. You have got to be at church on a Sunday morning and get up and go there even when you feel that you don't want to do it because otherwise you live in one of those, these two extremes. What's going to keep you humble and rounded and give you an unshakable faith Faith is if you get God's word into you. It drives me nuts. I'm just going to say this. It drives me nuts. I'll speak to someone going through a tough time. They'll send me a text. Pastor, can I have a conversation with you? I'm going through a challenging time in my life. I'm being the compassionate pastor that I am. What do I respond and say? Yes. No problem at all. No problem at all. I'll respond in about eight hours. I respond in about eight hours and I say, yes, let's meet for a coffee or let's meet for a chat. And I meet for a coffee and I come for the chat and they will say all of what they're going through and I will listen with compassion, won't I? Yeah, okay. I'll try my best to listen with compassion and sooner or later, church warning, I will come and I'll ask you a question. I will say, what's your prayer life like at the moment? What's your devotional life? Because I tell you what, in a storm, you need God's word, you need God's promises into you more than any other time in your life. And what we do quite often is we throw the anchor away in the storm and go sailing away instead of getting hold of that anchor tight, getting God's word into us. So we know what God is going to say about us and what God is going to say about the situation. Do you know what God is saying? That's called the work of sanctification, church. Getting rid of sin, learning to make a contribution to society through servanthood, and learning to use our spiritual gifts. I call it sanctification. Put three S's there. Serving, getting rid of sin, and using our spiritual gifts. That's the Christian walk, and it is only done through getting God's word into us and understanding his view on us. So the first thing that we need to do is get information into us. You see, the disciples, let's go back to the boat, they didn't allow the information to get into them. Jesus has said in a verse the earlier, said, let us go over to the other side. 
He said it. Read the text. So the fact that there's a storm and a bit of a hiccup along the way, what should they have been doing? Relying on the promises of the Son of God himself. Because if Jesus says you're going to get over to the other side, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to get over to the other side. Doesn't matter which way we did it. Doesn't matter even if you have to swim the last couple of yards because the boat was set apart or or got bust up or whatever it is. We know that if God speaks something across across our lives and we believe it and as a promise, do you believe as a promise to prosper you? Do you believe there's a promise not to harm you? It's a test. So what does James say? And turn with me to the book of James as we look at this area of experience. So we've got to get the theory into us. But then let's look at this area of experience quickly as we draw to a close. The last two points are shorter than the first. So you can all uh, hang ready knowing that we're near in the end. In this part of a driving license we call it the practical the doing this is a practical text that we are reading it's a practical text we're not reading a text that's supposed to be a theological study a bible study that we read for ourselves here and we go oh that was a nice thought more tea anyone this is a doing text Let's read it together. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. So what kind, what kind of trials? Because you know, because you know, you know this church, because we're Bible believing here, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything and some of us god starts the refining process in our lives and we don't let him finish with us he wants you to come through the challenge the other end but we disengage and we say, sack that. I ain't going to church this Sunday. Like, where's God in the middle of my storm? And we disconnect from church. Or uh, God sends a friend into our lives to tell us straight sometimes that we need to get our act together. So a friend that will come outside you and say, listen, I just see something on your life. I don't think you should be doing that. And you know that they're right. And instead of responding to the truth that that person's telling us, what we do is we react and we say, how dare you speak to me like that? You know what you can do? You can push off. And so we push them away when God is in his way trying to get you through the trial of your perseverance so that you might be complete and mature. Do we want to stay babies or do we want to grow up? Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. We'll talk about that in closing shortly. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. 
but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with a scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom uh, falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Can I read that again? That's an Olympic verse. That's an Olympic verse. It's the verse of champions. It's the verse of those that get gold. It's the verse of those that stand on the podium. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. We've got to shut off that pain in the triathlon, haven't we? We've got to swim harder. Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Right, let's go to the big part of that, because it's lovely to read all of this, isn't it? When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. So tempting, tested, all of the challenges that come away. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person, verse 14, is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Oh, it'd be great to have that job. Not in God's will, but it pays an extra five grand a year. And you know it's wrong, but the money is calling. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown... Give birth, gives birth to death. Mm. That girl in the office, guys, yes, I know she's cute, but you know she's trouble. Give her a wide berth. Yeah, but it's just, we're just talking. When desire is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. But James says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Unless we are tested, how can we learn? Can you help me? Unless we are tested... How can we build our character? Unless we are tested, how can we go to the next level? Look, if you say you can run 100 meters in under 10 seconds, let's have a test. Let's step outside right now. We'll set up some cones. Dan will get his measure out. We'll measure 100. And we'll see. You can talk all you like. But let's have a test and see. If you could run as quickly as I can, I think I can do it in about 12. Anybody want to take me on? Yes, come on, Joe and me, let's have a race in the car park after. We are tested, because if we don't allow the testing to come on our lives, that we get this stuff coming in on us, we can't learn to believe in Christ and what he has for us. And if you're like these, what I call pop and crisps Christians, that live in this world of an arrogance and a pride and a presumption about God and his plans to them, that, you know, they are never going to lose their job because God has given them a promise that they'll never, ever lose a job any time in their life. Well, you've got a lot of faith and that might be true for you, but all I would say to you is let's see when you're 70, 80 years of age, that God has been good on his promise to you if he's given you that promise. In the meantime, I would encourage you to maybe be a bit more practical about it. 
and learn to live a life here that's in the middle, that's a bit more carefree, and to say, I know that God has got a job for me. If it's not this one, then it's going to be another one. Or God's got doors that he's going to open and close in my life all the time in terms of the way and the direction he wants me to go. So firstly, we've got to get the information. But secondly, we've got to welcome the experiences. Welcome the experiences. The disciples turned around in the boat and their declaration to Jesus was like, you know, we're drowning, Lord. As if he didn't care. Did he care? Of course he cared. But he turns around to them and his appeal to them is, listen, you of little faith, you should know. Didn't you see what I did for the leper? Didn't you see what I did for the servant of the centurion? Didn't you see what I did for Peter's mother-in-law? You of little faith. Are you a person that's faithless? Have you become, to use Brian's word, powerless this morning because we have watered down our faith to be something that's pure, ethereal, and theory? Do we really believe he has a plan for us? If we do, let's just trust in him, walk in faith, and have an unshakable, confident faith. Because if we don't, part three, we've got to get the theory into us, We've got to get God's word into us and all the, the, uh, the disciplines of a disciple. The second thing that we've got to do is we've got to welcome experiences. And the third one, and this is the big one, okay, this is the uppercut. The big one is we have got to train our emotional response. We've got to train our emotional response so that we are prepared and we don't panic like the disciples panicked in the boat. You see, through experience, experience brings boldness, doesn't it? Doesn't it? If you've, um, you know, the whole process, we do it, I think we do it very, very well in Wales. People ask, ask us as Welsh people, why are we as Welsh people always so confident and happy to stand up in front of crowds and do things? And I tell them, well, it's called Welsh training. Because in every school or in every primary school, at some time or other, Children have got to get out and they've got to perform, haven't they? They start as angels in the nativity, or they will learn a verse for the esteathod. Oh, we were. Ah, well, so here we were. Or, or they will have all of these. And we train our children to what come over the fear of stage fright. So that by the time they become great rugby players, they can do a captain's speech that will make every Englishman shake in his boots. Because we train our young people, I believe, as a nation here, against all the fears that we would come up against. And through that experience, we, come, we become bold. I remember a few years ago walking through an airport departure lounge with a family. We were going away on holiday, and there was a mad fracas over in the corner. There was a woman there. She was panicking. She was going, oh, my little I don't, can't remember what the kid's name was. Let's call, let's call him Johnny. Oh, my Johnny, my Johnny. She's shouting. And, I, and me being me, I've got to get, get involved. They're going nuts over there. And I've got to go, what's going on? And young Johnny, you know these seats that you've got in an air, airport departure lounge? And the seats are um, kind of strapped together or welded together. And there was a little gap. And young Johnny had dropped his, he must have been two or three years of age. He dropped his little toy aeroplane down between the seats. And Johnny had put his arm down between the seats to get the little aeroplane. Picked it up, 
but his elbow wouldn't get back up through the, 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 um, through the chairs. And John, Johnny was caught. And so what the mother did was panic. Great. All of this stuff started flooding into mum's head. And as soon as it was in mum's head, guess what happened? It got into little Johnny's head, didn't it? Because he's there thinking, oh my word, my mother's scared for me. I'm going to die. And so he starts screaming. And all the family are there, ah! And so I can you get someone? And I went over here because I'm seeing this little kid down there. And I just went across. And you know, like, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good person in a panic situation. And I just went across. I said, any of you got any moisturizer? And she's, ah! I said, have you got moisturizer? Got moisturizer off this woman. Put it on little Johnny's arm, hoping to goodness as I put it on. I'm thinking, I hope he's got no skin illness. He's got an allergy to the thing. So I put it on and his hand just comes straight out. And I go, ah! Oh, oh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Because what experience tells you to do and teaches you is to be fine in a panic situation. The reason I am good in a panic situation is I have been with a tractor and a trailer and with about 50 tons of silage behind me coming down the field and the tractor has started skidding and I have learned to be calm in a situation as a young boy on the farm. You can't panic because you panic, what are you going to do? Jump out of the cab and the tractor and trailer will go down the hill and you'll have quite a conversation to have with that after But instead, you've got to calm the fear and the anxiety. And then soon you can do it because it comes through training. And so many of us, we have an emotional response in the middle of our storm. Instead of going back to our training and saying, what does God say? God says, trust in him. The experiences that we have, they train our emotional responses. I'll finish with this story just as another example of it and then we're going to close with a psalm. Any of you know what this is? My daughter Caris knows exactly what this is. As careful as you want to be with this fine yellow heavy-duty Stanley knife, I was laying wood flooring in our dining room at our house back in around 98, 99, I think it was. Caris was born in 97. I think you were two, three years of age. And Caris, being the adventurer that she was, had toddled off to this area where Dad had been working. Dad hadn't closed the door properly when I'd been working. I'd been using this to cut the underlay that goes underneath the laminated floor. And I'd left that on top of my tools as I went to make myself a cup of coffee. Went to make myself a cup of coffee, came back in, and I'm not kidding you, Caris is like this. <laughs> she is literally chewing that end of the Stanley knife. What do you think were going through my mind? Was it that? Or was it this? But I've got to be careful in that storm, haven't I? And so my response, and I thank God to this day, because I don't know what happened. She might have cut her lip or whatever. Because if I was to shout at Caris, what's her natural reaction going to be? She's going to jump or she's going to pull this back sharply. Whatever kind of damage is she going to do to her mouth if she's got this blade in it? So instead I said, Hiya, Caris. You've got Daddy's toy. Can I have it? And she smiled, handed me the toy back, and I grabbed the Stanley knife. 
And there was pure, just relief. Now some of you, and some of us, have got those kind of situations that we're facing right now. Have you got, back to Emily's message, let's go back to starter. Have you got a good, strong connection into God? If not, revisit it. And secondly, Andrea's message about living a whole life. Are you doing some things about it? Get into his word. Get rid of that friend. Sort that behavior out. And let's live a confident life so that when we're in the middle of the storm, we become unshakable. God can send it you Stanley knives, chairs of F, from airport departure loans, financial problems, relationship problems. He can send you the biggest challenges of all. And we are the kind of people that even though we know Jesus is asleep in the boat with us, we know he's still in our boat. And we know that even though he's sleeping, he's the one that doesn't slumber. And we know that when he is with us, and he said we're going over to the other side, we're going over to the other side, church. And nothing is going to faze us. So let's live a life that's unshakable. Let's get the prize that's ours because we are confident. We're not carefree. We're not careless. We're just... Sorry, we're not careful. We're not carefree. (laughs) Help me here. We are not careful. We are not careless. We are living a carefree life under the grace of God to take us from glory unto glory. And all God's people said, Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.